So could you pray for Fraser, please? Okay, so Father, thank you for Fraser. Thank you for um, all that you've done in his life. Thank you that you've all you uh, have done and are doing through his life. Thank you for his heart. Thank you for his father heart. Thank you for his pastoral heart. Thank you for his teaching gift. And Lord, I pray for our ears that they'd be open to what you want to speak to us through Fraser this morning. I pray for Fraser that you would just help him enjoy and uh, bring him uh, your peace and your clarity and uh, your blessing on his life, not only right now, but after he shared and for the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. Thank you so much. Just turn that down slightly. Uh, that's loud and clear. Great. It's lovely to, to welcome people here. And, and I want to add my welcome to Polly's and say you are so welcome. And we love to see people who are coming into the life of this church and coming to faith. And I certainly recommend that evening that uh, we're planning in a few weeks' time where we can tell you a lot more about the life of this church answer your questions and bring you um, into, into membership, if you like, of this church. So, for those of you who are new to this church, and I, I know quite a number of you have found your way here recently, you may have noticed a couple of things. First of all, we love to speak out the name of Jesus. We worship Jesus we preach Jesus, we pray in the name of Jesus. And you will have heard many and sung many songs here, songs today as well, where the name of Jesus is so important. And that's because many of us have had life-changing encounters with Jesus. And we believe that through his life, death, and resurrection, he offers us forgiveness he offers us freedom and life in all its fullness. And the second thing you may have noticed is that we encourage everyone to read the Bible and to discover Jesus for themselves. The Gospels are a good place to start, and they are packed with his story, they're packed with his teaching, and they're packed with the good news of eternal life. So expect to hear the name of Jesus. Many years ago, a TV filmmaker was making a documentary about Totnes. Uh, this guy, this filmmaker, was called Steve Wilde. And this was one of a series of films uh, featuring West Country towns. Uh, and so they had the rather original title, Wild About Truro, and Wild About Lyme Regis, and Wild About Totnes. They wanted to feature this church in a new age town. And so I had to give an interview. And the interesting thing for me was this TV presenter, Steve Wilde, was a Christian. And he gave me some advice. He said, they will do some serious editing of whatever you say. So try to include Jesus in every sentence and they will find it almost impossible to edit out the name of Jesus. It was good advice. Our Christian faith is all about Jesus. In recent weeks, Aid has preached from stories in Mark's gospel where Jesus interacts with Pharisees, with crowds of people, and with individuals. And today we are in John's gospel, chapter 4, 
and it's the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And I want to introduce this by referring to a verse in one of the Gospels that tells us that Jesus was always using stories to get his message across. Um, it's actually in Mark chapter 4. And it says this, He did not say anything to them without using a parable. Jesus was never without a story when he spoke. So look at the Gospels and you will find that there are stories, there are images, there are pictures that illustrate everything that Jesus says. And so in the story that we're going to read in this conversation, Jesus uses water. And it's, it's a wonderful picture of life, of eternal life the life of the Spirit. You couldn't find a better image for the life in all its fullness that he promises to all who follow him. So if you've got a Bible, or you can find one near you, put out a few on the seats, so uh, we can all have access to a Bible this morning. And this is John's Gospel and chapter 4. But it's John's Gospel and it's chapter 4. And it's the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and... Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about midday. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you, you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Well, we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. 
You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. The time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. The God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Verse 39, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. The Bible is, is full of illustrations and full of stories. It's also full of invitations to come. Jesus says, come, come to me, come and eat, come and find rest. And these invitations are invariably uh, positive, they're life-affirming, and they are for our blessing. And so today's invitation is to people who are thirsty, come and drink. So let's, uh, we're going to retell the story in just a minute. But before we do that, I thought it'd be good to have a little bit of um, interaction. We, we like to sort of talk in this church and talk quite a bit. And so I'd love you to have a conversation in pairs and see if you can Talk about a time recently when you began to be thirsty for Jesus. This story is all about spiritual thirst. And so see if you can just talk for a couple of minutes with the person next to you and talk about a time when you began to be thirsty for Jesus. And you're, it's fine if you can't think of one. Just say pass or I'm not thirsty or... I don't know what he's on about. Just see what you can come up with. Okay, we're going to, to just draw that to a close for the moment. And I imagine there are quite a few stories there of uh, how people have recently began to be thirsty for Jesus. Uh, just wondering, does anyone want to just share their story? Their story, not the story of the person they've just been talking to. Okay, got one over there. Testing, great, praise God. Um, yeah, nice to meet you, everybody. I just shared my story. Um, obviously, over the last three years, we've been through a big transformation. And um, when the lockdown happened, it, it gave me a chance to start reading my Bible. And um, I felt it, it really hit me when it, when it happened. You know, I thought, oh my gosh, this is, 
this is crazy. Um, there's lots of things we, we maybe can't do or we can do. And I felt there was almost like a spiritual darkness enveloping the world. And I felt um, I really wanted to read my Bible. I was baptized when I was six, and I got this Bible, this good news Bible from church. I used to be a choir boy in St. Mary yeah. Church, Torquay. Okay. And I thought this is finally a chance for me to read a book that 500 years ago you would be put to death for founding to have on your property by the Church of England or by the Catholic Church, which I didn't know until recently. And I thought, wow, well, what's the significance of it? I really better look into this. So this chance gave, gave me the opportunity to read the whole Bible. And I've, it's encouraged me to pray every day, to just be grateful, and just to really come to church every Sunday. And I tell you, God's been moving in my life I've almost been homeless at times over the last few months without work, and all of a sudden a job opportunity came, a house became available, all through prayer because I leaned on him. Brilliant. And, yeah. What a lovely story. And um, we have had a little chat before, but right on cue he talked about reading the Bible. That's where we get <laughs> drinks. Anyone else? Any other thirsty people? Jean. Oh, Jean. Um, last weekend at Leary, there was a talk about the Holy Spirit and alighting on the, um, on, on the shoulder of Jesus at his baptism. And who was the guy who spoke? Henry. To Henry, yeah, sorry. I've got short-term memory loss. <laughs> and he said that a dove with a sudden jerk will fly off. And God's been really challenging me not to spiritually jerk. And what's a jerk? Is a, is a bad attitude, a bad thought, or whatever. So this week, I've really been... <laughs> sort of challenged, not yeah. to jerk spiritually. Thank you. Jean. Anyone else? Someone over here. Sarah. Oh, there's water on the floor. That's very prophetic. I love it. Water poured out. Great. I wanted to just say um, that in this church, we have a lot of little small groups that meet up in the week. And for me, that is when my um, time to read the Bible comes out. Just having a group of people to... Um, unpick things in the Bible, share, and all that has been really helpful. So your thirst is quenched? Yes. Perfect. On Wednesday evening. Lovely. Great. Thank you. Good. There may be some more stories later on. It's lovely to hear those, those personal accounts, and thank you, each one of you, for, for sharing those stories, because they, they encourage us. Um, they, they build us all up in our faith and believe us, build us all up in understanding that God does speak to us today and God does satisfy, does quench our thirst, our spiritual thirst. So back to the story. I imagine that Jesus was feeling tired, doubly tired. He'd realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed. And Jesus was probably thinking, this is not a competition. This is not about numbers. And so he makes his way to this Samaritan village of Sychar. Physically tired from the long walk, he rests by Jacob's well. And he stays there while the disciples go into the nearest village to buy some food. When a Samaritan woman comes to draw up water from the well, Jesus asks her for a drink. And she's most surprised. She says, how come you, a Jew, 
are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink. I need to explain why she's so surprised and what this was all about. The fact that Jesus even spoke to her, let alone had a lengthy conversation with her, was shocking. It was outrageous. It was unheard of in that culture. You see, Jewish rabbis decreed one should not talk with a woman on the street, not even with your own wife. And it is forbidden to give a woman any greeting. Those were the, that was the protocol, that was the custom in that culture. And so when the disciples arrive back, they are shocked to find Jesus talking to a woman. Not only is he talking to a woman, he's talking to a Samaritan woman. But we see from this that Jesus is not sexist, he's not racist, and it's, it's an extraordinary conversation that they have. Uh, John, in, in his gospel, explains that Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. So Jesus is breaking all these cultural norms. And interestingly, Jesus is not moralist. This woman would have been a social outcast. Having a history of sexual relationships, she would have been rejected by her own people. And this is the reason why she has to come for water all alone at midday. In his Bible in one year, Nicky Gumbel comments, Jesus does not compromise on the truth, but neither does he judge, condemn, or reject the Samaritan woman because of her lifestyle or her social position. In fact, he engages with her in the best possible way. He asks her for a drink, a drink of water. And when she responds, surprised, he says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She misunderstands him. And she asks, um, where would you get this living water? And he replies, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus knows that this woman has been thirsty all her life. She's tried to satiate her thirst by moving from one relationship to the next. But there was only one man who could satisfy the deep longing of her soul, and that man was Jesus. Here is a woman who is desperate to drink deeply of life. By offering her living water, Jesus quenches her thirst for acceptance, for relationship, and for meaning. So I've got a couple of questions. What does this story tell us about Jesus? I came across this great quote from Eugene Peterson's introduction to the message version of John's Gospel. Jesus doesn't impose salvation as a solution. He narrates salvation into being through leisurely conversation, intimate personal relationships, compassionate responses, passionate prayer, and putting it all together, a sacrificial death. Here we find Jesus engaging with this woman, taking time, conversing, revealing the answer to her deepest needs. 
And finally, helping her to understand that he is the Messiah. And I believe this story shows us just how much God loves us. Our Heavenly Father loves every single one of us, man, women, and child, from every racial and ethnic background, regardless of what we've done, where we've been, or what's going on in our lives, regardless of our previous life or present lifestyle. We have a God who knows everything there is to know about us, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he loves us still. Read Psalm 139, you'll see just how much God knows about every single one of us. And still, he loves us. That says to me, no matter what I've done, he sees me, he knows me, and he loves me unconditionally. There is always more grace in God than sin in me. Our Father God believes in embrace not exclusion. Thank God that he loves imperfect people. As we read in the the, the previous chapter of John's gospel, this is John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Perhaps the best known verse in the Bible a verse that's often described as the gospel in a nutshell. And it tells us three things. It tells us that God's love is wonderfully inclusive. It embraces everyone. It tells us that God's love is so great, he gave his one and only son. And it tells us that God's love invites us to believe in Jesus to choose to put our faith and trust in the person of Jesus now and for the rest of our lives. This story tells us so much about the love of Jesus for each one of us. And my second question is this, what does this story tell us about our thirst? The fact that you have chosen to come to church, to a Christian church this morning, suggests to me that you are spiritually thirsty. And we've had a few stories of people who have started to find their thirst met by Jesus. I believe there will be some people here today who are searching for purpose and meaning in life, asking, what is the point of life? What is this all about? You are thirsty for answers. Jesus invites us to live in a relationship with our creator God. He makes it possible for that relationship to be restored. He says, those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. And then there will be others who have questions about life beyond death. The Bible says that God has set eternity in the human heart. Only in Jesus do we find eternal life. And it's a life that starts now, survives death, and goes on into eternity. Jesus says, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I believe all of us have a deep thirst for forgiveness. If we're honest, we all do or think things that we know are wrong. You might call it self-centeredness. You might call it sin. You might call it rebellion against God. Whatever you call it, we all need forgiveness. 
And by his death on the cross, Jesus made it possible for us to be forgiven and brought back into relationship with God. And so as the woman at the well recognizes that Jesus is Messiah, as she encounters the love of God, so her shame goes and she feels worthy and valued and honored. How we all need our spiritual thirst to be quenched. The big question that we're asking this morning is, is anyone thirsty? Are you thirsty? There are those here today who say, yes, I'm spiritually thirsty. There will be others who say, I don't know, or I'm okay, thanks, whatever. For those of you who don't know, let me tell you a story. I went to Leetside, our local GP surgery recently, for a routine blood test. So I, I got chatting with the nurse, uh, as you do, and I said, so how long have you been working here? She said, oh, about five years. But she said, I've been taking blood for 34 years. So I said, that's, that's good. I'm in good hands then. She asked me to roll up my sleeve, and so I rolled up my sleeve, and um, she found a vein, but there was no blood in that arm. So she tried this arm, and she found a good vein in this arm, and she tried to take blood from this arm, but there was no blood in this arm either. I thought to myself, this is quite strange. What's going on? She said, you are seriously dehydrated. So I said, well, I, I've had two enormous mugs of tea this morning and a, a big cup of coffee. She said, that's no good. She said, that counters, the caffeine counters the hydration. You need to be drinking at least a litre and a half of water a day. So I said, well, do you do that? She said, yes, there it is over there on, the, on my desk. She said, I practice what I preach. So then she tried my hand. I got some great veins in the back of my hand. So she tried my hand and she managed to get a pitiful amount of blood out of the back of my hand. So I thought, well, that'll have to do. She sent the results off as they do. And uh, a week later, I, I rang up to say, you know, what are the results? only to discover that um, the results unusable, the, the sample was unusable, and I had to return, quite extraordinary. So I, I go back again, um, but this time, of course, I have been drinking religiously for the past week, a litre and a half, at least, of water, water a day. And so this time, it's a different nurse who has far less experience at taking blood, but she is really chuffed because she gets this great big file of, of blood out of my arm from this highly hydrated man. The moral of the story, well, um, the moral of the story, of course, is drink water daily. I can see it's happening over there. Very good. Keep drinking. It's very important. Drink water daily. And as I've discovered, it's a bit of a discipline got it here. I shall be drinking it later. And so I'm, I'm getting through that amount of water a day. The other, of course, the moral of why I'm telling you this rambling story is because I had no idea that I was dehydrated. No idea. I'm fit, I'm healthy, I exercise, I eat a good diet. I had no idea I was dehydrated. In his book, Amazed by Jesus, Simon Ponsonby writes this, Biologically, water is the necessity of all life. And spiritually, the water of life, the Spirit of God, is the necessity of fullness of life. I'll just say that last bit again. Spiritually, 
the water of life, the Spirit of God, is the necessity of fullness of life. So back to my question, are you thirsty or are you spiritually dehydrated? Jesus invites us to drink deeply of the water of life and to keep drinking every day. It's a discipline. We were created for a relationship with a loving Heavenly Father. We're not meant to live life separated from God. Live life alone, knowing that you are loved, that you are accepted, that you are forgiven, is the key to life in all its fullness that Jesus promises. I want to say that again. Knowing that you're loved, accepted, and forgiven is the key to life in all its fullness that Jesus promises. Are you thirsty? Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, offers to quench our thirst. He offers to make a new way of living, loving, and being loved possible for us all. So let the living waters flow. Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. I'd like us to make a response to this invitation of Jesus. And I've written a prayer which you may or, yes, which you may like to speak out. If you are thirsty this morning, then here's a prayer inviting Jesus to satisfy your thirst. And as a way of responding, I'm going to invite you, if you would like to pray this prayer with me, to speak it out with me, then I invite you to stand as a way of responding to the invitation of Jesus together. Today, I speak the name of Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you. Today, I ask for your forgiveness. I receive your love. Thank you that you promise to satisfy my thirst. You give me living water, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Holy Spirit, come to live within me transform my life, become a permanent spring of overflowing water throughout my life and into eternity. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.